Welcome back to Crone Fern's Guide to Weird Fiction, Folklore, Mythology, and Everything in Between, where I, Fern, talk about folklore and mythology, and Crow, what do you talk about? Weird fiction. That is the first time I think you've just answered that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Today is definitely a folklore day, and we are going to talk about people who actually exist but have a rich folklore around them and I'm gonna let you stew on that while you listen to our intro music. I thought it would be fun to kind of talk about other witcheresque types of figures in Eastern Europe. Because, you know, like the the witcher is very much a real occupation that existed for a while. But there were a lot of figures like that. There were a lot of people who went around and supposedly helped you get rid of evil spirits and, you know, created all sorts of medicines and stuff like that that people bought and then as more modern times approached they it was an occupation that sort of died out which is unfortunate because a lot of these figures existed for centuries possibly even millennia before that so what we're going to talk about today is specifically Solomonar or Solomonar where these types of figures in Romanian mythology to an extent. I totally don't know what those are. Great. <laughs> now, we, Crow and I have talked about these before. She knows. I know. I have talked about them before. <laughs> yes, they have redheads. They do. Historically, they're supposed to have had red hair, which we know is associated with magic and... Not having souls. Not having... Uh, no, it's associated with magic in Romanian mythology and also is supposed to increase the probability of you becoming a vampire. <laughs> and there is kind of a vampire connection here between the Sholomonar and the vampires, but we'll get into that. I, I want to first talk about like what inspired these beings uh, because there's been a lot of debate and so... We don't know for sure, but I'm going to give you some, some ideas. So, first of all, you can hear the name Solomon in there. <laughs> and so you're, you're probably thinking, oh, there's got to be a Solomon connection. And a lot of people think that there is. Because even though Solomon is described as a real person in the Bible and other holy books, by the way, he's also strongly associated with magic. And... There is this idea that even though God said, don't do magic, he gave Solomon permission. He said, you know what? No one else can do it, but because you're so wise and I like you a lot, I'm going to let you. And, and supposedly Solomon, and, and this is not in the Bible, by the way, for anyone who is less familiar with the Bible. There is a folkloric legend that God gave Solomon a, a magic ring, a seal, the seal of Solomon, which he could use to do all sorts of different types of magic, including talking to animals and controlling spirits and demons. And supposedly he did use that ring to seal gin in a bottle and toss it into the sea and it wasn't until it was found much much there later used to be this stop motion animation of like the stories of the prophets and the quran and one of the biggest ones was was the story of king solomon and they would like make these claymations of jinn and it's like as if stop motion wasn't creepy enough on its own you have to associate jinn with it and it was the freakiest shit for nine-year-old me to have to watch these jinn always trying to get up to shenanigans. It's funny now that I'm older, but, well, it's not really funny. It's still scary. Okay, well, coming from a Muslim perspective, have you heard any legends about Solomon and magic or jinn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So that was his whole thing in Islam is that he was able to control jinn. Like he would, you know, basically use them to kind of like, you know, take care of his land. And he also looked over like the animal kingdom as well. So like you said, he used to speak to animals and there are stories about that. There's a story of, I don't, I don't know her English equivalent, but like Balqis is what she's called. She was like a queen of somewhere and he basically used his powers to kind of, I don't know, show her the power of God or something. And then she took on the right religion or something like that. Through Jin, he used that too, because I was it was it Jin or was it I think it was the Jin that he used them to bring her throne from her kingdom to his in the blink of an eye. Hmm. So yeah, there were lots of stories. Well, in the Bible, there's references to the Queen of Sheba. And I'm wondering if that's... That's probably her. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, she doesn't get named in the Bible, which I don't know why. I, this feels kind of dirty. Like, give the woman a name. She had a name. I don't know if the name was in the Quran or not. I don't know mm. if it was just something that was passed on. Yeah, you never know. He's associated a lot with his ability to control devils. And uh, one legend is that he had control of the demon Asmodeus, who he used to help create his temple. Because one of the biggest things about Solomon and his legacy is that he built this huge, amazing temple. And so apparently he had demonic help to do that. It's interesting because he's supposed to be this like very wise, very revered, beloved person of God. My voice is still kind of cracky from being sick, but I'm sorry if you noticed that, but it's mostly better. She's trying her best. I am trying my best. But there are all sorts of legends about him, including him finding a building with no entrance and then being able to talk with different animals to find a way in and things like that. So there is this old connection that it is believed that the name Solomonar or Solomonar does come from Solomon's name and that ancient practice of magic that he is believed to have. But there are other inspirations as well. In Romanian, there's Santilie, which is the prophet Elijah in English, and his day is July 20th. But he's described as ascending into heaven in a chariot of fire. And when the Christian missionaries came into Eastern Europe, and really a lot of Europe, they were like, well, we know that you have all of these deities associated with um, storms and thunder and lightning. Our equivalent to that is Elijah. And so Elijah, in kind of a historic folkloric sense, became more associated with storms and hail and thunder and lightning in this kind of like pseudo-pagan Christian crossover that happened than he ever really was in the Bible. And he became known as someone who could call any sort of storm that he wanted at any point. And so there is this association with the Sholomonar and the Day of Santillier and, you know, the prophet Elijah. I, I know that Elijah also exists in Islam. Is there any storm association there? I'm honestly not sure. I think we call him Elias, but I'm not I'm mm -hmm. not too familiar with what his story is. He, he's one of those Old Testament guys thousands and thousands of years ago. And so even though he's like one of the prophets that's been around for a long time, I think a lot of people are not as familiar with him. He's most known, like when I think of him, one of the things that I think of uh, is like his showdown with the prophets of Baal, where he's like, call on your God to light the altar and burn this offering. And then I'm going to do the same over and we'll see whose God listens to them. And, you know, like he had the the altar and the uh, offering doused with water. And then he called on God and flames came down from heaven and lit the altar. Um, and, and that's the story he's most known for, I think, is really associated with the storm magic. Whether or not he should be based on what's actually written is 
up for debate. But from a folkloric sense, there is that strong association. Mm-hmm. So those are two sources that are believed to be like the, the source of this legend. The, the third one goes back even further prior to Christianity, and it's the, the ghetto Dachin ascetics. A long time ago, there were the Celtic priests that came in, and since some of them had red hair, it is believed that that could be the source of the Shalomanar uh, legend because they are also, as Crow already pointed out, said to have red hair. And it could just be like that uh, continued association with dark magic. It could be that those legends have just persisted. It could be that some of these legends all kind of mishmash together to form one great big legend. But the important thing is these Shulamanar were real. They were real people. There are actually pictures, old pictures of Shulamanar, you know, from like nearly 100 years ago that still exist. They have kind of died out now. Although there was this amazing uh, <laughs> little thing in the Romanian Wikipedia entry for them, and I, I think it's gone now, but it used to say something like Shalomanar exista shias or something like that. Like They still exist. Shalomanar still exists. And then there was like citation needed, <laughs> which <laughs> I thought was the funniest thing. <laughs> but they are said to be very tall red-haired, they wear these wipes, which could be a reference back to the, like, Dachin priests who also were said to wear, like, white robes and things like that. They are people who would go around from town to town, and they would sell various medicines that they had. They would perform storm magic. For example, if you were in the middle of a drought, you could pay a Shalomanar to rustle up a storm for you, get some good, some of that good rain. Because there is a distinction between the good rain and the bad rain, which is harmful. You could basically ask them for help. They could also help with exorcisms mm-hmm. and with dealing with any sort of like evil creature that might exist. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you had a strigoi bothering your farm or your village, you could go and pay the Shalomanhar to get rid of it. That could be a questionable thing to do, though, because they're said to go and be friends with Moroi, which anyone who is familiar with, like, the Romanian vampires will know Moroi is another form of Romanian vampire. In fact, it's one of the ones that we talked about extensively in our vampires episode. And so they are said to be, like, friends with them. There are even some legends that say, like, oh, they are a type of vampire, potentially. The thing is, though, the thing is, any sort of, like, Romanian folklore is highly regional. And so you go from one place to another, and you're going to hear different things. And you're going to hear different names used. In fact, you probably have noticed that I've said both Sholomonar and Solomonar. I was more familiar with the term Sholomonar, but I think the term Solomonar may actually be more common, but it's just a regional difference. There are other names too as well, like Vulkash. And so Sholomonar, it's important to note that they're not some sort of magical being, but rather they gain magic. They are born human and become magical. And there's some debates about how that happens. I'm going to cover some of the different ways that it's believed that that could have happened, but there's more than one. They go to dragon school. They go. They do go to dragon school. <laughs> that is correct. That is one of the ways. It's also said that some people believe that they're born with a call on their face, which is from the amniotic sac. If that is when they come out. If that's over their face, uh, that's supposed to be a sign that they have the ability to learn the magic. It's also believed that it can be kind of like a hereditary thing. What about the amniotic sac? The amniotic sac is over all of our faces. It covers us. It surrounds us. If it's still on your head when you come out, because like when normally like when you come out, it's not on your head, right? But if, if like a piece of it tears off and is on your head when you pop out. Oh, okay, okay. That, 
that's referred to as being born with a call. And that is something that a lot of people have different beliefs about. But there is a strong association in Eastern Europe between like the call being born on your face and magic. Okay. Okay. And in some cultures, it's a belief that you were destined to become some sort of vampire. And there's there's all sorts of different vampires you could become. But if you, like if purrs are set over you, you can become a vampire hunter or some sort of like good magician or wizard or, or something like that. And that is also present in Romanian folklore. But in this specific instance, it is believed that you could potentially become Oshulamunar if you're born with that call over your head. Okay, okay. So they don't really talk a lot about where they come from, who they are. They're just like these quiet, ascetic people that will pass through towns, a lot of times begging for money or performing different services, selling their various medicines, things like that. They'll just kind of blow through. But they don't talk a lot about the secrets of being a Sholomonar. And they are supposed to adhere to certain caste rules. And if they don't, then the punishment is supposed to be extreme. They're supposed to be like very cunning and intelligent people, very wise. However, people usually don't treat them well. There's kind of a debate, a mixed viewpoint on how they're seen. And I think. How you see them might depend on how strictly orthodox you are. Because the majority, like historically speaking, the majority of the Romanian people, who ethnic Romanians, are orthodox Christian. Okay. So like the, the more intensely orthodox you are, the more inclined I think you are to believe that they might be up to no good. But most people don't see them as evil wizards. They, they see them as possessing a magic, and that magic could potentially be bad, but it could also be used to help people. And it's also said, and this is kind of, I thought was interesting, that they're most active from May until September, which makes sense because that's when you're most likely to get storms. And they have that uh, high association with storms. So With storms. I don't know where they go in the winter. <laughs> Maybe in a cave. <laughs> They're supposed to have various magic tools that they have with them. And some of these, it's kind of debated which ones they have. And I, again, it's regional differences. But I think one of the most important things is their magic axe, which, according to the legends I knew, was always made out of iron. They use that in various ways. We'll talk a little bit more about that. There's a wooden cementron, which they it's like a wooden board that they would beat on, and that could be used to start rain or to summon various spirits. They had these little cloth bundles called moime, which they could use to write spells on. So, for example, if they wanted to write a storm, they could write a storm on the, the little cloth bundle and then release it at a later date. Or it, it could be a, a magic spell that they sell to someone for whatever purposes. Like I said, they, they often would create spells to keep away evil spirits and evil beings in order to help people just stay safe. You could do that in Middle Eastern culture too. The little bundles, the little of, bundles cloth. of cloth. Yeah, and you stuff them with stuff sometimes and that's often considered black magic, but some people believe it could be good magic. But I've never seen it do any good. <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly the same kind of attitude that people had towards it, that some people did see it as black magic, and other people saw it as, like, potentially good magic. They, they, the Sholomonar always walked that line between, like, some people saw them as good, some people saw them as evil. Yeah. How did you see them use the little cloth bundles? Well, growing up as a Middle Eastern woman, the main topic was, when am I going to get married? Not me, like mm -hmm. all the other women around me. So that was usually, it's like, you want to marry this person, so I'll give you this bundle 
that will help you do that. Or you're just not finding anyone to get married to, so I'll make you this bundle to make men attracted to you. Sometimes there were more malicious ones, and there were like, you know, ones where you would want to hurt someone. Or let's say a woman finds out that her husband is cheating on her, and she wants to hurt the other woman, so she gets stuff from him and her and takes it to the person who does the cloth bundles, and they give her like something that will eventually bring harm to them. Things like that. And it's not just about marriage. It could be about anything. But the marriage thing was the one that I knew about the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. With the Shrilumunar being so heavily associated with storm magic, a lot of times the Moime, the cloth bundles, were associated with that. But not just that. It could be other things as well. They were also said to have a book that had all sorts of ancient wisdom written in it. And it had all sorts of knowledge, but it also had power and spells written in it. And this is a book that they would write themselves during their apprenticeship to become a Shalomanar. They also, according to some legends, they had little wooden jars that they kept the winds in. Now, some say they had a branch that had killed a snake. And they could use this to beat upon the water to call on various storms or to summon demons to speak to. They are also said to have birch bark reins or golden bridle. And we'll talk about what they use those for later. But those are... <laughs> Dragon school. Dra <laughs> She's giving away everything. No, I'm kidding. But they, they did live like ascetics away from the world and... Some people say they lived in the other realm, Lumia Charlotte. They were supposed to be able to access this other world using water. Let me kind of explain how this works. So uh, a lot of times uh, they would go to a lake and these would be glacial lakes. So they had no water coming in and no water coming out. And they would go to these lakes and they would freeze them. And then they would take this magic iron axe that I just told you about and then they would bring it down and when the axe hit the water, it created the sound of thunder. And when the water broke open, it would create a, a portal to the other world. And they could go there to live there at times, which would explain why you didn't see them sometimes. But they could also summon dragons from the other world. And that's what they would use the reins and the bridle for. It, they would put them on the, the dragon and ride the dragon into the sky. And that was where they created a lot of their storm magic. Yeah. So they, they would go into this other realm. And sometimes they come back to civilization and they beg for alms. But they don't actually need the alms. They just use the alms to toss into the river as offerings to the spirits. But... It was not a good idea to refuse them because they could call on hailstorms and all sorts of like nasty, nasty storms to come down on a place if someone made them mad. And sometimes you didn't even know that the person that you were talking to, the beggar you were talking to was a Sholomonar because they, they often did just look like ordinary peasants. But if you uh, refused a peasant and then a storm came, then it was probably a Sholomonar and you done fucked up by not giving them what they had asked for. <laughs> what if you were poor? What do I do then? Well, a lot of what people What if it's the were. end of the month and I don't have any money? Then you're, you're fucked, I guess. You're fucked because you're okay. not supposed to So they're not good them. people. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, <laughs> they can be helpful. <laughs> they no. can also fuck you up. In fact, here is a story. This is this is a firsthand account from an older woman who had a similar account. And she said, the Solomonar, because she, that's how they said it in her region, the Solomonar used to come to these hills from our village and they would wander around Valyapi and Cherat. And there were two of them who would sleep on people's haystacks up on the top or on the borders. Once, one of them came and asked someone for milk because that's all they would ask for, milk and baked eggs. I don't know why it's specifically milk egg. and baked eggs. I, I, it's an egg? egg that you put in the oven and you bake. Why the fuck would you bake eggs? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but the woman didn't give it to him. Then out of nowhere, a storm started over the whole village. 
Since then, people haven't seen those two Solomonar anymore. Where they went, it's hard to say. So they want to get baked eggs. <laughs> they went somewhere where someone gave them baked eggs, and then they brought the good rain, the good good rain, not like the hailstorms. No wonder it's so dry over here. People don't eat baked eggs. You could offer them milk too. You gonna tell me you don't have milk? Camel's milk. I wonder if they would accept camel's milk. Probably not. Is camel's milk good? It's weird. It's salty. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, so the the Shulamanar, they had they did have good magic too. They were capable of curing disease. And so for example, if there was one rolling through town and you had a relative who was pretty sick, they could come and help you out. But of course, as we know, a lot of people saw sickness as a sign that um, there was some sort of vampire hanging around, draining mm. off your, your energy. So like a strigoi, maybe. And uh, the Shulamanar were capable of exercising these demons, according to legend. And so they would administer their medicines and perform their magics and people would get better. And supposedly that meant the Strigoi had moved on. Okay. But then on the other hand, like I said, they're, they're buddies with Moroi, who are also vampires, who are very capable of fucking a village up. So, kind of depends on your perspective, you know. <laughs> mm. But there were people, like, there, there were people who were afraid of him and who wanted to get rid of them. And supposedly, if you needed to do that, you could go to a master stonemason for advice. And the stonemason, the master stonemason, was supposedly a former Shalomanar who would be able to use his knowledge of the magic that he used to use in order to help people get rid of them if they were being a problem. Okay. There was also something called a counter Shalomanar, which is someone who could specifically cast spells to get rid of Sholomonar. <laughs> so, uh, in fairness, there were definitely people who saw them as a problem and wanted to get rid of them, and there were specific measures in place to do exactly that. So he's like an anti-witcher. Yeah, so like if you're in the Witcher universe and you're like, that that darn Hen Henry Cavill and his magnificent abs causing all sorts of problems and distractions in the village, we need an anti-witcher. <laughs> oh, okay. You could, that, that was like a specific thing someone could be to have like anti-witcher magic, but, but in this context, anti-Shalomanar magic. Okay, okay. The Shalomanar were known to associate with all sorts of magical beings, one of which is Vuntuase, which I was more familiar with just calling them Yele. Which is kind of like an ambiguous way of referring to them. You know how a lot of fairies and stuff are just referred to as them or like in really vague terms? Uh. That can be a, a similar thing. But the Ventoise are very specifically spirits, female spirits, that are capable of causing dust storms and winds and powerful winds and, th and things like that. And they're supposed to live in really natural places like forests and lakes and they're capable of like attacking children and there's all sorts of magic associated with them in fact they have special days and holidays associated with them and they they also can do some good things as well but because they're associated with the storms and the winds and stuff like that it's said that the Shulamanar could summon them to help cause dust storms and winds and things like that. Okay. But the thing that they are most associated with is the dragons. Now, there are some people who have referred to these dragons as Zmei, which is like typically an anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic, is it anthropomorphic or anthropomorphic? All of a sudden, anthropomorphic. Okay, but they're, they're like dragon... Um, people, well, depends on the region again. Because they're dragon furries. Look that up. You won't be scarred. I think if they're like dragons, you have to call them scalies, not furries. Ooh, okay. I've seen some references to them as Zmei, singular Zmo. But more often than not, the type of dragon that's referred to is the Balaur. And we need to talk a little bit about what Balaur are because they are 
kind of like the worst Romanian dragon. <laughs> I think they're the most evil. And they, they are like just the incarnation of evil. But they have cool names. They're the ones with the coolest names. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know how they sound like the names sound objectively to like non-Romanian speakers. They sound like Balur, which is, I don't know, crystal in oh. Arabic. Ooh. Yeah, they've got nothing to do with crystals, but I know, cool. but it's still cool. <laughs> but the Balaur are they they supposedly start as dragons. I'm I'm sorry, they start as serpents, but they're like underground and some say it's seven years, some say it's ten years, but if they go that long in the darkness without seeing another person, then they become a Balaur, a dragon. And they, they kind of are uh, the equivalent of hydras, mm. where they have like the multiple heads, but it's always like an uneven number of heads. So it could be like three, five, seven. Supposedly, like the older and more powerful the Balaur, the more heads it has. But it will always be an odd number of heads. They live in Lumia Charlotte, the, the other realm. Which, by the way, is not a great place. It's it's it sounds like kind of magical, like oh, the other realm. This is magical, exciting place, but it's not. It's dark. It's terrifying. It's not a place that you want to hang out. That's for sure. And it, and supposedly, it's just like the the awfulness of being in this other realm that makes them evil and uh, just hateful, hateful beings. And these are the, the types of dragons that supposedly the Sholomonar would call up when they opened up a, a portal to the other realm using their iron axe on the, the frozen lakes. I just feel like they never stood a chance. The, the, they kind of don't really, though. Uh, and this is kind of one of the things, because like when you look at like pre-Christian Romanian mythology, Dragons are very beneficial creatures. They're, in fact, the people had really close relationships with them. And, and they had these banners that started out as wolf banners that became dragon banners that were like 3D. They're not just like cloth, but, you know, like they would supposedly the wind would whistle through them and make a howling sound. It, it's it. They were really important to the people. And uh, there were legends of them being helpful and just and being associated with the gods Amoxis prior to Christianity coming. He makes another appearance. <laughs> Zalmoxis was a very important figure in the, the pre-Christian era in that place. Once Christianity came, they were kind of like, oh, these dragons, they're actually demons. And, and the, the dragons took the place of demons. In fact, the word drak, which was originally more associated with dragons, was used in the Bible where devil or demon it was meant to be used. And it, it kind of took on, it had a dual meaning for a while, but now it's more closely associated with like devils and demons. In fact, my Romanian grandmother would wash my mouth out with soap for saying that word at all. <laughs> <laughs> but they did become these darker, more evil things. And the Blaur are the epitome of how dragons became evil. They're evil for evil's sake. They just enjoy being nasty, nasty beings. And so when the Shulamanar would take them up in the, the sky, supposedly the Blaur would be able to cause all sorts of nasty storms that you wouldn't want. Or you could also have a situation where the Shulamanar and the Blaur pray using this like cursed book <laughs> of, of dark oh. magic at, at the side of the lake to cause all sorts of evil storms. Mm -hmm. Now, Crow keeps talking about like the evil dragon school and what she's referring to is the Sholomansa. It got Germanized into Sholomans and it's that's how it's usually written in English, which bugs me because why are we using the Germanic spelling, like with the S-C-H, which is a very not Romanian thing? Like in, in Romanian, the sh is written with an S with a comma underneath it, and that is referred to as the letter sh. And so like that would be the more authentic spelling. <laughs> but this is a dark school. Supposedly, 
It's run by the devil himself. The Blaur, according to some legends, also are there and take place in it. It's, it's a dark and miserable place. It's supposed to be like absolute hell to go there. And it's not a fun experience. It's said that I've heard legends that like only one in seven of the kids who go there survive uh, because they're taken in as children at about seven years. And then they're there until they're about 20. And it's really like a lot of them don't survive. And then of the ones that do survive, one in 10 is given to the devil as like an unholy tithing of like humans. What does the devil even do with the humans? Like, what would you even do with us? We're useless. I don't know. But it's just this idea of like an unholy tithing, you know, like mm. something that's supposed to be holy, but is unholy because the devil is involved. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it makes Creepy. it darker and scarier. You know, it, it's interesting because Sholomansa ended up in the world of Warcraft <laughs> And it was like a, a place where you could do like necromancy and things like that. I, I don't know. I didn't play the game, but it was appropriately associated with like dark magic, which is correct. Now, there is a lot of debate about whether the Sholomans is actually a Romanian legend or if it's something that was introduced later. We, we don't really know for sure. There are some dubious origins that, there. But if you are a believer in that, that's a place where um, young children are taken to become Sholomonar and learn all sorts of dark magic. And obviously, if you believe in the Sholomans aspect of it, then you would believe that the Sholomonar are darker, more evil beings as well. There is another less nefarious origin of Sholomonar that just says that as children, they are selected to be as a part of this apprenticeship, and they're taken into the forests and um, taught in caves and things like that, which makes sense because that does go back to the legends of Zalmoxis, where the caves are sacred to Zalmoxis. And to me, this this speaks more of like the the older origin with with the ghetto Dachins, where you had these ascetics, the red hair and the white cloak, white robes that would um, worship Zalmoxis in caves. That goes more back to that, um, in my perspective. And you get these people, you you get all of like the Zalmoxis hits, the the caves, the red hair, the white robes, all of that. Okay. But then this version, it's a lot lighter because they learn the arts and crafts of the wizardry, but then they use it to fight against the dark forces of nature. Usually this is the version that you get if you are more of the Sholomonar are good in nature kind of thing, you know? Okay. I mean, it makes sense. You're trying to make them out to be the heroes and use their magic for good. Mm -hmm. As part of the, like, Sholomnar education, whatever school of thought you you subscribe to, they learn all living languages and are able to speak all the languages, and they learn all sorts of charms and enchantments, and, of course, exorcisms, uh, and, and medicine. They're supposed to be very, very proficient at medicine. I like how it's not like, it's not like magic their ability to speak those languages they have to learn them they have to learn the languages over how many years it's a little bit of both i think it's a little bit of magic a little bit of like intense studying because no matter which legend you believe they go through like some really intense studies okay but it's it's from the age of like 7 to 20 that is not a lot of time no it's really not although i guess if you're being taught by dragons or the devil or whatever. It's, it's like a super intense curriculum. And in fact, that is part of it, is it's supposed to be like super, super intense. Okay. Anyway, once they've learned everything that they're supposed to learn, they go into a cave, which again, harkens back to Zalmoxis. And they sit, a, sit at a stone table and they write everything that they've learned into their magic book which they will then take with them and study for a lifetime. So they have to write their own textbooks? That is the cheapest school I have ever seen. <laughs> they, they're taught everything, and then they have to write it down. And then they have to learn from it. 
So you're basically like you're starting from step 10. And it's more it's like, like a, a textbook reference. Like you still have your textbooks after you leave school, right? And then like mm-hmm. you reference them whenever you need them in your career. That's kind of how it is for them, except for they had to write it all down. Which, I mean, if if you're being taught by dragons makes all sorts of sense because are the dragons going to write it for you? Have you yes. seen dragon claws? They don't seem like they're very conducive to writing. They can just dip it into ink and write with their claws. Your point Do you is think moved. they have that kind of dexterity? I feel, like, I feel like dragons don't have that kind of dexterity, but I don't know. Here's, okay, so this book is a huge part of the Shalomanar folklore. And, you know, there's some debate about what different types of items the Shalomanar have with them. But I've always seen the book included. And there's some interesting stories about the book. In fact, here's one that I want to share with you real quick. It says, once a Shalomanar met a man on the road and asked him to give him a ride on his cart. And the Shalomanar was very tired and fell asleep because this was like one of those guys who knew like, oh, if a Shalomanar asks you for a favor, give him the favor. (laughs) The man took the Shalomanar's book while he was asleep and, and it was a large book with ancient letters, and he began to read it. He didn't even realize when they had lifted off the ground. When the Shalomanar woke up, they were in the cart with oxen in the sky. Wow, like Avatar. Like, he says, oh no, what have you done? And he grabbed the book, and he starts reading from it backwards. And once he did that, they slowly started to descend until they were on the ground again. Uh, I'm glad no one died. So you got to be careful with these books. Or you could end up flying. Oh, no. I would never want that to happen. The, another thing they've know, they're have they known to do, and I always I think I always thought this was funny, is they're supposedly able to make it rain underneath a tree. And I always thought that was the silliest part of the legend because if you've ever walked by a tree after it rained and bumped it, It'll kind of rain underneath the tree, like all of the water falls off of the leaves and it's kind of like it rains underneath the tree. And so I always thought that was the origin of that legend, but supposedly that is something that they can do. Like if you're underneath a tree and they're annoyed at you, they might cause it to rain underneath the tree and inconvenience you. (laughs) Fair. Everyone's a shol... I don't don't know how to pronounce it. Sholmanar. Everyone can make it rain under trees. It's true. I've done it before accidentally. Totally believe that. Yeah, it kind of sucks. It, it is mildly inconvenient to suddenly be wet when you were not planning on being wet. <laughs> <laughs> there are people, though, who believe that they are people of God and that they go around throwing stones to punish those who do not, like, obey the laws of God or appropriately observe the holidays which let me just say like the the orthodox the orthodox christian holidays are a little out of control like we would get these calendars and they would be chock full of holidays half of which i didn't even know what they were and there were so many of them that they had to uh, signify which ones were important with a black cross on the day mm-hmm. and you you would call those a black cross holiday meaning like one of the ones that was actually important because like there was I swear there was like something pretty much every day and it it really was difficult to observe everything and so if they're going around trying to enforce like celebrating all of the holidays I just I don't know how you could keep up you just never go to school it's the dream you just never go to work because God told you not to. A lot of these uh, stories, like the, the belief in Shalomanar is there, there are people who are alive today who grew up with the belief, but it's the older generation, right? And there was this man, Catalin Manole, who went around collecting stories for Formula AS, which is like a Romanian language publication, like a, a journal I guess you could say, but that kept keeps track of things like folklore, mythology, and supernatural things. And this is one of the stories he collected. I've got a couple that he collected. It said a hundred years ago. And this is like a take on, by the way, before I get into this, this is a take on Shalomanar I've heard before, but it's not like the most common one. 
but it's an interesting one, so I'm going to include it. There was a child born with wings under his arm, and his father was frightened, and he kept cutting them off, but they kept growing back until one day they couldn't be hidden under his clothes anymore. And the father just got spooked, and so he's like, I'm done trying to cut these wings off. You're not my kid anymore. Fuck off. And, the, and so the kid had, like, he chased the kid away, basically, in order to, like, not bring shame on the village. And the child, they kind of forgot about him. Like, this is super gold. It's like Angel from X-Men. I have not kept up with the X-Men movies. I haven't either. I don't think that was his story, but he did have his wings chopped off, so. Oh, they didn't okay. grow back. Well, these ones, the the wings kept growing back. One's late summer day, however, just before people were about to bring in their crops into the the barn, there was a huge, violent hailstorm, um, which, of course, would have destroyed all of the crops of that season. So that would have been a big fucking deal. And just so this hailstorm breaks out and it was like it was going to destroy everything and people thought that it was like going to be the end. They were going to lose all of their crops. They were going to starve. And suddenly a pillar of light appeared in the sky big enough for a person riding a dragon. It was the kid with the wings. He had become a storm rider, a sholomonar. And with a whip in his hand, because that is actually another one of the things that they're said to have sometimes, he chased away the hail. And so he came back and he saved them, even though they didn't deserve it after the way they treated him. Yes, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Why was he riding a dragon if he had wings? It's a good question. I don't know. I guess because it's cool to ride dragons. I mean, why? if you can ride a dragon, would you not ride a dragon? It seems I like would. flying would take a lot of energy. And so if you could just, it's it's like driving a car instead of walking, I guess. I don't oh, know. fair. Fair, fair. Okay, this is a, a great story that I want to share. It's kind of like a wrap-up here. So this is from an older person who is probably close to 100 years old when he shared this. And he says, I've, I know about the Sholomonar. I've seen them. They would come to the mountain, to the ridge, where we would, we would go with the sheep. And they would always read, read, never talking to anyone, you know, because they had these like magic books. They were people like us, but they would read from a book. It it was a real book, but I was only nine years old, so I didn't understand much. And I asked the older ones, like the the elders, who are they? And the elders told me they were Sholomonar. And up there in the mountain, there was a big lake, and there were two Sholomonar there. And they would read, and one of them on each side of the lake. I don't know where they slept. They were strong people. And I said to an old shepherd, sir, what are they doing over there? And the shepherd replied, they're reading. Can't you see? Use your eyes. <laughs> yeah, use your use your freaking eyes. And the water would start moving as they would read uh, because there was a dragon in there. When it came out, they would put a bridle on its head and ride on it, and then they would go. And they'd go through the clouds and start the rain. The elders told me, don't throw stones in the lake or it will start raining. When I grew up, I wasn't as afraid of the stories of the elders. And when I came back from the army, there were a few of us. And I don't know what got into my head. Maybe because there was a girl with us and I wanted Uh to show off. So I said, I'll throw a stone in the water. I'm not afraid of the Shalomanar. And the other boy said, don't do it. But I took a big stone and I threw it. But it was sunny and clear, and all of a sudden, a cloud came with a big storm, and it started to rain. We ran as fast as we could towards the valley, towards the sheepfold, and they were, like, crawling under things because it started to hail, and they were trying to hide from the hailstones. And everyone blamed him. Let's see, there was another time when he saw, he says he saw a big cloud, and I thought it was going to rain, and in the cloud... You could see something long like a tail, and it was moving. And there was another person with me, and he said, Run, the dragon is in the cloud. It's coming for us. Because that's how the Sholomonar traveled, on a dragon wrapped in a cloud. And there are other legends, by the way, of like when the storm is really bad, they say, 
that the dragon has fallen to earth, the dragon in the cloud, and, you know, you need to do some magic to get the dragon back up in the sky, and then the storm won't be as bad. So that's just some of the interesting things about Shalomanar. There's so much there that you could never really tell it all because, like I said, there's so many regional differences that you could go to a different place and get different types of stories. But they are something that a lot of people still know the legend of. Right now, I think most of the people who actually believed in their magic are really, really old and uh, kind of like a, a dying generation. But now I think the younger generation still is trying to keep this legend alive. But as as a legend, as like a, an important part of Romanian folklore that is uniquely Romanian and and exciting and fun. <laughs> I, I always thought that they were a lot of fun to read about and hear stories about. Mm -hmm. I wanted to point out that when you talk about like these people that used to exist going around like the Witcher or other vampire hunters, there there are all sorts of them all over and they all have their unique stories and folklore and the, a lot of them are based on real people that existed that have like it's a it's a profession that has really died out at this point unfortunately but bits of it remain yes what are your thoughts i like how gray they are as like mm -hmm. i don't want to say characters it's just like throughout the stories that you were telling i never got the impression that they were either good or bad they just sort of existed and yeah sometimes they would do good but I feel like it wasn't because they intend to do good. It's just because maybe someone asked them for a favor and it turned out to be good or someone did them a favor. So they were just kind of returning it. And sometimes they would do bad just because of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But they were just kind of there and it was up to the people telling the story to interact with them or do what mm -hmm. they wanted with their power kind of they are kind of gray they're based on people and people are not black and white there are people who believe that they get their power from god uh, you know and they are meant to like enforce the laws of god and hence them being sholomonar called after you know solomon the the great king who was supposedly very loved by god but there are just as many people who associate them with dark magic and evil so it's one of those choose your own adventure types of folklore exactly. you can make of it what you want <laughs> exactly exactly that's that's one way to put it yes yes anyway that's all i had for today so we're gonna call it there crow any other thoughts before we wrap up no just those where can they find us so if you enjoyed this episode then feel free to give us a follow we're available on apple Podcasts, amazon music spotify or wherever you find your podcasts and if you really enjoyed this episode then feel free to leave us a review because we would love to hear what you think and also take a look at our social media which will be mentioned in the description we've also got an email if you want to talk about the crazy happenings in your life or tell us about what we should talk about next but until next time this is crow and this is fern signing off bye